Hello, I'm Amber Athey, The Spectator's Washington editor, and I'm here to encourage you to subscribe to The Spectator's American edition. If you visit spectator.us forward slash subscribe, you can get our print and digital edition for just $7.99 a month. This means you get unlimited access to our amazing website and we'll send you a beautiful 80-page monthly magazine. You'll also have access to our mobile app. Subscribe now at spectator.us forward slash subscribe. You won't regret it. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and now the Joe Biden presidency. We will be looking at how a 78-year-old president will change America and we'll be asking if normalcy which is what he promised to bring, has returned to American politics? The answer, of course, is no. I'm joined today by Bridget Fettesy, who is a verified nobody, uh, but also a much-appreciated columnist at Spectator USA and host of the Walk-In's Welcome podcast and The Dumpster Fire. Is that what your YouTube channel is called? Um, the YouTube channel is Fetacy, but the show that we have on it is Dumpster Fire. Dumpster Fire. Well, it's great, mm. and I highly recommend uh, <laughs> all listeners give it a go. And we're going to be talking about vaccine passports in America. Bridget, yesterday we published your excellent essay on this, which has the headline, I hate the Vaxport, and you should too. It's a pretty strong blast of libertarian or just or just uh, free and liberal thinking about vaccine passports. And it's fair to say it got a lot of people angry on Twitter. This subject seems to um, either way. First thing we should address, I think, is last night, uh, President Joe Biden said that vaccines would not be federally implemented. This was after your piece came out. Did what he said relieve you? Do you think now the threat of vaccine ID has has vanished? I'm grateful to see a lot of pushback by governors and states. And it doesn't relieve me only because they had said that before I even wrote the piece. Fauci had come out and said that it wouldn't be federal, but the White House had said they probably wouldn't be responsible for federally pushing this out, although they did say that they were meeting with lots of private companies in order to set the standards for which the vaccine passports will be used. And that to me is a one, a cop out from the government because they just, instead of just mandating it and saying, making it federal, they're, they're trying to make it look like it's all these just private companies just doing their thing with the free markets. And it's not the case if the standards are being set by the government. How do you rebut that? Let me play, because I agree with you about this, but let me play devil's advocate. How do you rebut the argument that uh, if a business wants to uh, decide who it serves or, or who it who its customers are based on whether they can prove they've had the vaccine, uh, who are you to stop them? I'm not anyone to stop them. I say, go ahead, put vaccinated only in your window and see how that goes for you. It gets a little bit more complicated when it's places like airplanes, which, again, there's we there's so much public private cooperation with something like the airplanes. We just bailed them out during the pandemic. So these aren't necessarily it. what I don't like about this particular. It feels dishonest to me 
it feels like they're trying to get social pressure and make it appear like it's the free markets. But how are you going to make sure that people are vaccinated? Is every company going to have a different database? What If the government has a standard that is going to be used, where are those standards going to be kept? Who is in charge of that information? Why do I trust anyone with information like that? These are, I think, legitimate questions that people should be allowed to ask. And unfortunately, it seems like we won't have the answers to those questions until the vaccine passport is rolled out because then you won't really know the scope of it. And by then it's already too late. So this, the whole thing feels so um, duplicitous and shady to me. We have a similar uh, situation in Britain. We have a government that insists that it doesn't want to do this, uh, has done a lot and, and insists it's, all its instincts are on the side of liberty, but it might be willing to facilitate the growth of vaccine ID in the private sector. I suppose what it boils down to is is what you say in the piece, which is we're talking about a boiled frog here, aren't we? I mean, if we'd been having this conversation a year ago or a year and a half ago, and you'd said to somebody, the government maybe is contemplating introducing vaccine identification, it would have seemed so preposterous uh, that people would have thrown it out. But now because of the pandemic, everybody thinks about these things differently. Do you think we're essentially giving up on the idea of freedom in uh, Western civilization. Yeah, I'm not known for my strong stances on anything. I'm very Gen X and kind of like whatever. And for this, to me, this feels like a line in the sand that once you cross it, you can't go back. I hear lots of arguments. The one is businesses should be able to do whatever you want. Okay, if I thought that it was just the the private sector truly making these decisions, I mean, how much pressure are they going to put on businesses to have these standards from the government too is another question. Um, will the business feel like they're going to lose business if they don't? There's a lot of social pressure, pressure. Another one is if the vaccines work the way that they say they're working and which the science shows they're working, why do we care if anyone around us has a vaccine? That that should be enough. It should be enough that we have our little force field around us and we go out into the world and then people will say who don't actually really care about these people. They'll say, oh, but what about the people who can't get the vaccine? That's what we're trying to be concerned about is herd immunity. But you want a policy where those people can't go anywhere. So, so why do you, you don't really care about them. You want something that says people who can't get the vaccine can't even, you know, go to the movies. And then they'll say, oh, well, you can get um, a doctor's note and get out of it. But if you read on the CDC, there really isn't any kind of valid excuse to get out of the vaccine. Even people who are immune compromised, they basically say you have to have, have had an allergic reaction to like COVID antibodies. It's a very, you would probably have to find a sketchy doctor who would lie. It doesn't seem like there's, they are giving much room for any kind of exceptions. And this is on the CDC website. And then they'll say things like, well, what about, uh, who cares, Bridget? We give up more information on Google and on Twitter. And I think this is the, fo the boiling frog that you just brought up we wouldn't even consider something like this okay if we hadn't already been giving up privacy information, uh, we, us being the product. But in this instance, you are 
demanding that people take a vaccine that's only been on the market for a year, ha- did not have to go through the three-year mandatory clinical trials and you know time period that normal vaccines would have to go through, was pushed through because of the Emergency Act and the FDA approved it under the Emergency Act. And we have no clue what the ramifications will be long term. I'm fine with this, by the way. And indeed, the the tech, the pharma companies have have guaranteed carve outs that mean they're not legally responsible. No, that in America you can't sue pharmaceutical companies for anything. So you have no recourse. By the way, of five years from now, we all get some cancer or anything. And I'm fine with taking the risk. I I think every, you know, some generation has to be the guinea pig and that falls on us. There's a lot of science around it. I'm okay with it. And I I feel like it should be a choice that someone is allowed to make. If other people have questions about this and they feel hesitant, I don't think we should shame them and tell them that they want to kill people and tell them that their questions and fears are unreasonable and that they're just these backwater idiots who don't believe in science and and that they have to go get this vaccine and put it inject themselves with something that um, we really don't know what it's all about. I kind of like what happened to my body, my choice. I'm willing to take that risk. I, I would never force that risk on somebody else. That seems crazy to me. That's probably the thing I understand least is the rage uh, that um, just having doubts about the vaccine uh, can generate. Um, I mean, we've seen it recently <laughs> with AstraZeneca, which it now looks like there may be a, a link between blood clots and AstraZeneca. But to just mention that a few weeks ago in Britain, uh, was to be called a lunatic and a conspiracy theorist. W- why is it, do you think, that... Well, let's look at Twitter, your reaction, the reaction to your piece yesterday on Twitter. I mean, I saw people getting very irate um, yeah. with you, which you're very used to, I know. But are you surprised at the level of hostility that just thinking that vaccine ID might not be a good idea generates? It's actually shocking to me coming from particularly the left who has been calling me a bootlicker for five years because I believe in capitalism and just watching them kind of align with big tech corporations, big pharma. When I was growing up, these were these were things that the, the left wing and liberals that I was hanging out with were very distrustful of. And we're very against. And I just, I don't understand this. It's it's really wild to me. To me, this seems like something that just should be completely a bipartisan slam dunk. I, I feel like this is something everybody, we've seen our data mined, our data sold. We've had it, the, we, we found out the government was spying on us, that Facebook's been spying on us. We've seen the manipulation of, elections <laughs> we say, we had wells fargo make up fake business accounts we've had corporations lie to us nonstop i don't know how many examples people need for me to say perhaps we should not trust all of our health information and in and in, in one way by extension you're asking this is what people were saying like well you've already given up enough what's a little more but in this case the little more is my actual body You're actually you're asking me to sacrifice my body, which I'm doing in one respect for science. And that's my choice. But to force people to do that for a vaccine passport in which will restrict their movement around their own country. 
I just think that is bananas. I, I, I can't believe anyone is for this. It's like wild to me. But I think it really is people who have who are afraid and just really want any sense of normalcy. And this is being sold to them as this is how we get back to normal sooner and get back to, you know, it, it it's it's strange to me because it seems like it's mostly a population. The people in my replies generally tend to be, especially the kind of ones that I can see the, the like blue checks generally tend to be in liberal cities that have been heavily locked down and they haven't had to leave their house to go work. And they I'm like, people have been working this whole time. You know that, right? Like, <laughs> I, did no, I did notice <laughs> quite a few people uh, telling you about, well, I worry about the people who have jobs who, uh, you know, who have to work. But what they were talking about was like jobs like working in Amazon and things like that, which they, those guys have had to work throughout this pandemic anyway. They've been working the whole time. And th- by the way, so have the people in grocery stores. And so have the people who have been keeping the cities running. And so have construction workers and nannies and gardeners. And Uber drivers. Uber drivers. Yeah, all of these people have been working. And they... And in red states, which I was eating indoors in September when I was in Texas, they were already opened up for indoor dining. It was much more lax. There was a very it was the same system I had even in South Africa, which was just much more chill. You take someone's temperature, you give them some hand sanitizer, you maybe have paper menus now instead of the menus you reuse and you sit down and you give your contact information, you sit down and you eat your dinner and go about your life. And it's all very relaxed. And in L.A., we're still so locked down. And I don't think people understand that you don't need these vax ports to get back to normal. And again, I will say that shouldn't the vaccine be enough for you? If you have the vaccine, you're good. Well, do you think this might be where the the federal nature of America might prove to be an advantage? Because you have different governors taking different positions, and then you have the midterms coming up. So people are already speculating that one of the themes of the midterms will be quality of life. And obviously, mm. in somewhere like Florida, uh, generally, people are feeling their quality of life isn't bad at the moment. Um, I mean, obviously, there is some controversy there, but also Texas now, you see different states have opened up and there hasn't, the consequences haven't been that bad. So, you know, the reason uh, your founders envisioned it the way they did was that states could take different policies, take different approaches to difficult issues, and whoever was doing better, uh, the others would follow. Do you think that's going to, we're going to see why federal America is a good, is a good idea? I'm grateful that it is that way. I'm, I'm, I we've seen it in the past year how many people have fled California for example and New York you've seen a mass migration of people from these cities where they didn't have the openness they wanted their kids to go into schools they and they had the resources to do so again a lot of the talk around this stuff, which should be centered more, you know, there's a lot of lip service paid to the disadvantaged and the vulnerable. And then time after time again, I see these policies that are enacted that really just hurt these populations that we absolutely should be concerned for. The lockdowns in particular with the schools are another example. The kids that fell through the cracks were not the kids who were having tutors and have 
you know, a device, multiple devices per child. Um, they were the kids who didn't really maybe have support at home, didn't have Wi-Fi, didn't have a device. There was a study I just recently read that estimated 3 million kids never logged in and they're not ever going to get that time back. It's it's and this seems like another one of those people of color and disadvantaged people who are disabled. Obviously, they're not the only people who are vaccine hesitant. There are plenty of vaccine hesitant hippies. There are plenty of vaccine hesitant conspiracy theorists there. This is there. I think it's a pretty equal population. But in this instance, these things are generally not used. They're almost always abused. So now you have something that if somebody doesn't have their vaccine passport because of whatever weird regulatory or whatever they needed, where are you going to get this? Who's going to certify this? That it's I mean, all of it is so crazy. Um, Now they're going to get thrown out of a restaurant or thrown out of some thrown up. Are they going to be on public transportation? I mean, I have I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I have just a lot of questions. After a while, I mean, if you get caught, so throughout this process of the last year of of, um, of re- removed liberties and so on, uh, anybody complaining is called a conspiracy theorist pretty quickly. Uh, after a while, don't we have to um, uh, to quote Steve Bannon about racism? Wear it as a badge of pride. I mean, shouldn't you wear it as a badge of pride if people give you, call you a conspiracy theory? Because essentially, people like you have been right. Uh, that that this is getting worse. This is a slippery slope. I mean, even if you say slippery slope, people say, oh, don't use the boring slippery slope argument. But it is a slippery slope and we're slipping down it. There's a lot of things about this I don't like. For me, the argument's really simple. It starts, people could have read the first paragraph of that piece that I wrote and just stop there. It's, do you trust big government? Do I want to hand over more power to government, tech, and and to corporations than I already have. No, I don't. That's where this argument ends for me. All the other things are just extra questions I have. But as you say, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, you're pretty much a slave to big tech anyway. So... So I should be more of a slave. I mean, that, given your that, that argument your is so stupid up. to me. Whenever they say that, I just laugh. I'm like, that is the that's actually the dumbest argument that I hear. <laughs> You've already given up so much. Why not give up more? Like that that's your argument that you think that's an intelligent argument against this. That there has to be a point where people should people say, you know, no, and per, perhaps. There, there was an article I read a long time ago about how the Gen Xers are the skeptical generation, They're, that we would be the last generation that even pushed back and questioned these things because we weren't born with a phone in our hand and we, we remember what life is like. I see a lot of boomers who are for the Vaxport, but they just want to get back to like their cruises and whatever. So I think they're just, you know, shockingly selfish as well, not shockingly selfish, but they're really just thinking about how they can get back to their um, their lives. And I think a lot of people are, you know, the other argument is like, well, what about international, Bridget? I, I international is a completely separate conversation. You international travel you're talking about all over the world. And every country has every right to determine what standards they set for entering their country. That's that's a different conversation entirely. And if you need some kind of card, physical card, 
or they'll, they'll accept some digital app for people who are comfortable with that, then okay, that's a separate conversation entirely. People will say, oh, you don't want the Vax port? Have fun never leaving Texas. Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? That's not even what they're trying to implement here. This is something that you would use to go to the movies and a museum. I just want someone to give me an example of when some kind of passport, which is a really shady name for it anyway, to restrict your movement within your country has been a good a sign of good things to come or good things going on in that country. I'm sure there must be. And I, I would encourage anyone to reach out and give me an example like, Oh, in 1940 something, they did this in blah, blah, blah. And then, (laughs) but generally it's like, I, I associate it with not great times in a country when you need, when some population needs a passport to move around when you have to show your papers just to get anywhere yeah i mean we just got back from south africa and you know there was all the talk about apartheid and how that the people who needed passports to just kind of move around and the population that didn't it just it creates two populations of people just in the very aspect of enacting something like this and why would that ever be a good thing for it seems like it just I don't know. I also don't trust these bureaucratic, the one that they are doing in the Excelsior program in New York. I was reading a whole article about what an absolute dumpster fire it is. It's complete- Yes, we should just say, just just for uh, British listeners who aren't aware, the Excelsior is the, is the New York vaccine, Va- which is a fairly ridiculous name. For a, for a vaccine. I think it's more sinister than vaccine passport as, yeah. as far as names go. Yeah, it's a, apparently I was reading this whole article and it's like a dumpster fire disaster. <laughs> you can easily fake it, getting the passport. Anybody can kind of hack it. All they have to know is your name and your birth date. You can't get one if you got your vaccine out of state. I mean, this is where they rushed it out for PR and it's absolutely a disaster. The whole program, it's already, apparently it's already, but that's what troubles me is a lot of skeptics like me, you're greeted with this argument that, well, you know, it doesn't really work anyway and it's not really efficient. And so if incompetence is our greatest hope, uh, then I think we're in big trouble. No, that's that again, the arguments, there are some, the biggest one that people come at me with is I'm um, this is your rights end where mine begin, you know, where my safety begins. And they'll call me just a selfish individualist who doesn't care about the health of the nation. And, you know, they want the pandemic to be over. And the more that we can jab people in the arm with these things, the faster we'll get to herd immunity. A lot of these things are true, but I don't think, A, I don't think this is a shady way of mandating a vaccine. So that to me, it's dishonest. If you want to force everyone to get the vaccine, just force everyone to do it. Don't use private companies to come up with a vax port so that you can make it look like you're not actually mandating vaccine and leave large populations of people who don't want anything to do with the vaccine um, out. But and that, again, I really do think that it's their body, their choice, as uncomfortable as that makes people. And what about people like me who are totally comfortable with the vaccine and completely against the idea of a vax port? 
So I could be vaccinated and be like, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not getting that vax port. That's crazy, creepy. It feels like a line in the sand that I have to draw with these companies who are just constantly asking for more and I'm not doing it. And now I can't get on a plane and go see my family. You'd rather your relationship with the government was was just strictly tyrannical, more than tyrannical, but the government can't admit it. So they would I feel say, it's, at least it's honest. You did it to yourself, you know? Bridget. You did it to yourself. At least it's honest instead of this false choice. It's not a choice. That's what that's the other thing I hate people. This is another argument that comes my way, which is just it's not a choice. You're saying, Bridget, you can get the vaccine or not. Right. I can. And I plan on getting it when I'm eligible, which I'm not even eligible, by the way, yet. Then you can choose whether or not to get the vaccine passport. Yeah, except I might not be able to go see my family on the East Coast. I might not be able to go to a concert. I might not be able to, even if I have a vaccine, I might not be able to do a large, a large portion of things that I like to do in a free society. And you're telling me this is a choice. It's not a choice. This is not a choice. And it's it's like when people who tell my friend she's from a Muslim family and she's like they're they're very strict and they but they're not living in a country where it's illegal um, to go out in public without the hijab. But there's she's like, this still isn't a choice. There's so much social pressure in the community for her to wear this. It's not it's a fake choice. This is not real. And so I feel it's a similar kind of feeling of like, well, this is there's so much social incentive. And also, by the way, shame, there's the shaming that I've been getting. It's uh, it. I would be lying if I would say that it's upsetting. Even last night I went to bed and I was it's not hard. I have a thick skin, but it's hard not to take it in from people even that I know saying, oh, well, you just care. I guess you just you just want a bunch of people to die. Like, well, no, (laughs) I don't. I don't want that at all. (laughs) That is the opposite of what I want in life. But I also don't want people to be shamed and forced into doing something. I mean, how do we know that these vaccines aren't going to cause a lot of people to die? I am by no means saying that we do. But that's a that's a bold statement to make about something that we have a, a medical thing. We have no idea what the side effects are as well. So. I I just want people to be able to make their own choices. And I certainly don't want people I don't want to hand over as I will just keep repeating more power to these institutions that have given me absolutely, absolutely no reason to trust them. Trust that they won't abuse it. Well, Bridget, I think we better end it there. But don't uh, let the bastards get you down. Uh, There's no reason to feel ashamed. uh, And thank you very much for your excellent pieces. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. 